what's all of this about Don't get your way, all you do is fuss and pout You're the only reason I keep on coming home Good morning, church! <laughs> Good to be together! Well, hey, I want to introduce myself to those of you that don't know who I am. My name is Stephanie Herber, and I am the, our children's pastor here at All People's Church. And I'm also married to Robert Herber, our lead pastor. Thankful for him. And we are so excited as we are starting a dating I've got sunshine on a cloudy day When it's cold outside, I've got the month of May Come on, sing it with me, church I guess you'd say What can make me feel this way, my girl Talking about my girl. Woo! <laughs> All right, I hope you got ready for some fun this morning. We are excited to talk about romance, about dating, about relationships. And you know, I think one of the misnomers is, is that the Bible doesn't really talk much about this. That the Bible is more religious and just talks about prayer and fasting and worship. I want to tell you this book is chock full of practical understanding for us in the areas of relationship. And in fact, if you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Song of Songs, the book of Solomon, Song of Solomon, the book that you've all been warned never to look at by your parents or your Sunday school teachers, we're finally giving you permission this morning. So if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. That is where we're gonna be. But we thought it would only be fitting to begin this relationship series by telling you a little about how Steph and I fell in love. It was a day in 1998. I walked in to this very romantic restaurant called Ryan's Steakhouse. If you don't know Ryan's Steakhouse, take Hometown Buffet and go down about five steps. And you've got, you've got Ryan's Steakhouse. It was uh, a senior in college graduation lunch that our church was throwing. And I, I just have to admit, as a senior in college, this is absolutely ridiculous, but I had watched so many people find their dating relationships. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm 21 years old. I'm a senior in college. My, my clock is ticking. And so every room I'd go in, I'd be like scanning, ding, 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 And I looked across the room and I saw Steph. She, she was wearing this orange and white striped rugby jersey, hair pulled back, these tiny little glasses. And I thought, who is that girl? And let me just tell you, before we unpack our relationship, which we'll be doing more and more, let me help you understand me growing up in the area of my love life. I came from a family of hopeless romantics. So my parents were high school sweethearts. Dad was the football player, mom was the cheerleader, and they fell in love, but they started liking each other in sixth grade. Do you understand the pressure you feel? 
When your parents started liking each other in sixth grade, and then, I tell you, they were hopeless romantics. They'd always watch romantic comedies. We'd get in the car. What kind of music did we listen to? Beach Boys, Love Songs, Kenny Rogers, Crystal Gale. Some of you have no idea who I'm talking about. But those are the kind of songs we'd listen to. And here, I was one of those guys that never thought girls had cooties, right? Never thought girls were gross. Any other guys like that, that your whole life, there's two in the room. Awesome. For the rest of you girls, I don't know. I, I always saw you for who you were. <laughs> my, first, uh, my first romantic interest was a girl named Sherry Smith. Blonde hair, tons of little freckles. She wore the most adorable rabbit fur jacket. And I remember just thinking, she's amazing. It was first grade. I don't know what was wrong with me. But, but here's the deal. Because my church didn't equip on romance, didn't talk about dating, didn't talk about marriage, I had to find some coaching somewhere else. So I went to the media. And so there were two shows in particular that I really studied to understand healthy relationships. The first was a show called The Wonder Years. Anybody remember the Wonder Years out there? Okay, some of you guys remember. There was a guy named Kevin, a girl named Winnie. They were like in junior high. I remember not going to my sports practice on the Wednesday night that I saw preview that they were gonna start holding hands. Because I wanted to understand how do you hold hands with a girl? And their hands met, they were in a movie theater, they had a big, uh, a big tub of popcorn and they both reached for popcorn at the same time. Their hands touched and they grabbed hands and they just left them in the greasy popcorn for the rest of the movie. I thought, that's it, that's it. Then I became much more sophisticated, of course, in understanding how to date and that was uh, through my new mentor named Zach Morris with Say by the Bell. So I realized if I could just look a certain way, if I could have a certain physique, have a certain type of clothes, I actually bleached my hair blonde to look like him. And the problem was Zach Morris was more of a player. He was always dating different girls. So I thought, well, I'll just always ask different girls out. Well, that got me real far in life, let me tell you. Tons of broken hearts broke my heart. I was basically a disaster in the area of dating when I came to college. Why don't you tell us how about you? Great, so I actually noticed Robert before he noticed me. And one night at our college service um, in our church, he got up on stage and gave this announcement about this trip going to Haiti. And I thought, who is this guy? I've, I haven't even seen him around our college group and he's getting on stage and he's talking about some trip to Haiti. And I was so frustrated, I thought, get that guy off stage. You don't just walk on stage and give an announcement if you haven't been around here. And so, I know. But I also had a little bit of, who is that guy, in my heart. Well, the next time I remember seeing him was on a Sunday morning. One of my roommates was a part of a sorority, and we walked into church, and she said, oh, that's one of my sorority sisters, Shannon, and that's her boyfriend right there. His name's Robert. I'm like, great. I'm like, I don't really know Shannon. And why do I care about her boyfriend? But then I realized, oh, that's the guy that got on stage. Then the third time was at Ryan's Steakhouse. We were at the senior lunch, and I noticed him across the room. There he was. And I realized, as we all shared what we were doing after we graduated, that we would both be a part of the discipleship training school that was starting in August 
And I would be lying if I didn't say that I was very excited that he was going to be in that school, too. Just one more plug for our School of Transformation right there. You have no there idea who will be in there. All right. So let me give you a little history um, of my background of love. Well, I was not a hopeless romantic like Robert. I was not dreaming about my wedding day when I was five years old. But I was discipled by media as well and movies on the area of love and romance. And I remember as a child watching a movie that I shouldn't have ever watched, but it was called Adventures in Babysitting. Please don't watch that movie. But in the beginning of that movie, there was a gal named Elizabeth Shue, and she was the star of that movie. And she comes out. Um, busting out of her room, or she's in her room, and she does this little dance number to this song by the Crystals. It's called Then He Kissed Me, and she's like, then he walked up to me and he asked me if I wanted to dance, and she like gets into it, and then she's like, woo! You know, and then she like twirls her head, or her body around her four-post bed, and I had the same white four-post bed, and so I thought, perfect. So I'd go in my room and I'd like twirl myself around my bed just like Elizabeth did and I'd sing this song like, all the stars were shining bright and then he kissed me. And so I would do this in my room and let me just tell you ladies, I know some of you guys have danced in your room to some romantic songs before. I'm not the only one. But this is what I was being discipled by and you know, in those songs, everything's perfect, right? And then he kissed me. And so I, over the years, would have so many crushes but I realized I was more in love with that feeling of a crush than really any one particular guy. And when the rubber met the road in fifth grade, when the first guy tried to pursue me, he called me and he said, hey, Stephanie, um, I was wondering if you wanted to go with me. And I'm like, go with you where? No, I don't want anything to do with you. And so I was like a deer in the headlights And all I thought to do was hang up the phone. Poor guy. I know. Hung up the phone, didn't say a word, and didn't make any mention of it at school the next day. In fact, veered the other way and just shoved it under the rug. Was so embarrassed. But, you know, when I... I knew what I didn't want, but I didn't really know what I did want yet. And so when I had this... um, begin to have this low-grade crush on Robert when we were in the training school to, I mean, low-grade. Um, I, this was different because this low-grade began to grow in admiration for who this man was, and this was different than any other crush that I had had, and I'll talk about that admiration later. We're going to camp out in the Song of Songs, chapter 1, but let me just go back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to show you how foundational this is. In verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a suitable helper for him. I, I just want to start with the foundation that God made man and woman for each other. God made man and woman for each other, and man and woman are better together. He actually made them in his image to complete one another. And let me just make a side caveat, though. 
God does call people to be single. God calls people to be celibate. There are many godly people throughout church history, and there are incredible examples in the Bible of people that God gave them this gift to walk out alone. So we do not believe when you have that gift or that calling that you can't be all that God's called you to be. Take John the Baptist. I think God liked him. Take the Apostle Paul. He wrote half the Bible. Take uh, Daniel. We just talked about him uh, for several weeks and then take Jesus, what a great example. So we're not saying that men and women have to be married, that there is a place of a holy singleness that God calls people to. We're also not saying this, there are many people that would love to be married, that opportunity hasn't come. So we are not saying that you can't be what God has called you to be. But what we are saying is this, God has created male and female for one another, and the Bible says two are better than one. The one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, and God so often uses that relationship to bring us into the fullness of what he has called us into. Let's, let's jump into chapter two of Song of Songs. It says this, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Wow. That is a way to start a book of the Bible, folks. You know, I think so many of us are thinking, you know, it's just going to talk about the little angels. And his, no, he says, slap it on me, brother. Bring me the kiss. She is saying, hey, I, I, want, I want some of your loving. Can I just say that God understands the power of romance? And, and what I'm not telling you is to go out after here and just find someone to make out with. That is not, well, I wanted to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. No, that's not what I'm talking about right now. These people are betrothed and they are going to control themselves. But here is what it says. It says, love is more delightful than wine. What is wine? Wine is something that affects us physically. Wine is something that brings joy and merriment. And a lot of wine makes people crazy. And the Bible is very clear that there's a power in romantic love that's more powerful than almost anything else on earth. And the Bible is going to unpack that for us. Why don't you take it from here, Steph? Yeah, so let's move on to... Is my mic just going crazy? Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm hearing it like crazy. I don't know if you guys are hearing it back there. Oh yeah, am I okay? I'm good? Good. Okay. Great. It's crazy so up here we're going to move on to verse three. So in the ESV version, it says, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. So we see here that the first thing that this woman is noticing is the anointing oil on this man's life. She is noticing the gifting and anointing that is on this man. Ladies, are you noticing someone's looks first? Are, do you care the most about what they look like? Obviously, we want you to be attracted to them, but is that what you're so caught up on or, the status, or their status or their money? Because all those things are very shallow. In fact, they could be gone in a moment. Something could happen to his face. Something could happen to his hair. Or something could happen... <laughs> I love him. Can you stick I to love the him notes, with please? or without my hair. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Not everyone has such a perfectly spherical head that God wanted to show to the world. Arise and shine for your light hey, has come. He is the most attractive man to me in the whole world. Anyway, okay, and we're moving on. So uh, stick to the notes. So she noticed his gifting. 
an anointing. And I want to say it's so important that as we set our eyes on someone, it's important to notice the giftings on their life. So if you notice a man has a gift of serving and you'd rather him have a gift of teaching, there's a very practical answer, and that is don't date him. If you don't like the gifting that's on his life, because it's very important for us as women to support and affirm the gifting that God has placed on their life. You see, a gifting or anointing can't be taken away like the other things. That gifting and anointing is supposed to grow with time as it's tended to and affirmed and encouraged. So there's so many wonderful giftings that God gives us, and each one is to be treasured. If it's a gift of giving, you need to treasure that gifting, allow for that gifting to grow. If it's the gift of serving, there's the gift of leadership, there's, there's the gift of encouragement. Every gifting that God gives us is to be treasured. And you know, I really noticed when, when Robert and I were in the, the training school, I was beginning to grow in this admiration. I was noticing a gifting of leadership on his life. In a moment's time, he could rally a crowd to a purpose, and he knew how to delegate to make something happen, and he knew what to, he knew what to do in a, in a moment's time. And I was, I was noticing this gifting and admiring it. So this verse, it says, your anointing oils are fragrant. Well, oil comes from something being crushed. If I were to take olives to get olive oils, I would need to crush those olives. And there's also a fragrance that can come from something when it's being crushed. And so this, this woman was noticing that this man had a humility and a brokenness on his life. And we want to notice, ladies, that if we have our eyes set on a man, what is he, how does he respond in trials and challenges? Because inevitably, trials and challenges will come, period. And so how does that man respond to the challenges of life? When God is dealing with character, how does he respond? Does he, does he submit to the process of being crushed and broken so that a, a fragrance of humility and character, godly character, can come out of his life? Because if, if you're noticing that he's skirting those issues, you'd be a fool to think that he won't skirt those character issues in marriage. If he's skirting character issues on finances or purity, what's he going to do in marriage? Yep. So your anointing oils are fragrance. I also, uh, fragrant. I also noticed in the training school when Robert would go through these different seasons of um, First, he came and he, be, he would begin to wear the same outfit every day. He wore this long sleeve jean shirt with these long jeans. Everything kind of blended together. And he wore that outfit um, every day for a while um, because God was doing something in his heart. Clothes had been an idol to him, and God was teaching him to, to repent of that idol, to let that go and be content um, with a jean shirt and jean, jean pants. 
Um, also, I remember a season where he was wearing this long railroad stake, this heavy railroad stake around his neck, and he'd wear it to class every day for a long season as well. And a lot of you guys have heard him talk about that story when he wore that railroad stake to focus on Jesus. God was trying to teach him to think about the kingdom of God throughout his day. Now, the thing was is that Robert wasn't coming to the front of the classroom each day and saying, excuse me, folks, God is working humility in my life. So I'll be wearing this jean outfit for the next several weeks. Don't mind me. No, he didn't make mention of it because God was doing something internal. And it didn't matter what people were thinking because God was trying to free him from idols in his life and produce godly character and humility in his life. The next thing, it says, your name is oil poured out. Ladies, what is his name like in the community? Is he respected in the community? The Bible says a good name is better than wealth. What does community say about this man? Do people value this man's character? We need to take note of that. That matters. That matters. Let me just jump in here. This is, this is one of my concerns with online, online dating, and I'm not against it. We're, we're actually not against it at all, but you need to be very wise if you meet someone uh, through the Internet. Uh, why I say I'm not against it, I've seen couples that are well-suited find each other. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they met each other there. They're part of this church. I just did a wedding of a couple that met, them, met each other through that. And in fact, it, it provides, it can provide a safe place. You know, it's much better than going and meeting someone in a club or a bar where you're seeing through some smoky lights and while they're hot, you're just checking them out. Instead, you're understanding a profile that's in place. Hey, here are my values. Here are my interests. Are we compatible? However, someone can say anything they want, right, online. And so what's very important is how they interact with a community. What you can't know from online is what people think about them. And we, you might say, well, it doesn't matter what people think. It totally does if it's the right people. What does the godly community around them think? How does the person interact with children? How do they interact with their peers? What is thought about them in their workplace, in their school? How do they uh, interact with their family? What do your wise counsel, what do they think about them? I remember when I started becoming interested in Stephanie, I went and talked to her friends about her. Hey, tell me, who is this Stephanie Herman? I went to my mentors. I went to the leaders in our church and said, hey, what do you think about Stephanie Herman? Why? Because I know that someone's name comes from how they act. And our actions determine what people think about us. So I wanted to glean that from the community around. And you'll hear me say many times, that is one of the reasons we believe that the best place to find someone to start a dating relationship is within the context of the church community because you're learning the same values. You're running after Jesus. Here's how we say to find someone. You're saying, okay, I want to find someone to date. This would be the most simple form. Run after Jesus with all your heart. Sprint, lock in on him. And as you're sprinting, then look to your left and look to your right and see who's running beside you. And that's the best place to find someone. Go ahead, Steph. Amen. So the last part of that, of that verse, it says, therefore the virgins love you. Now, this isn't saying all the ladies out there love him. But this is talking about the pure women 
who are saving themselves for marriage, who value righteousness and purity because their God is holy, those women take note of him because he is a man of righteousness who is about guarding their hearts and not trying to defile them and touch their bodies, but he cares and wants to guard their hearts. And so these women, these pure women, take note of this man that values righteousness. So let's jump back in now, and let's talk about the woman here. It, it starts here. It says, I am very dark. This is the woman. She's going to describe herself. And men, let's talk about what we should be attracted to in a woman. She says, I'm very dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, don't gaze at me because I'm dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. What's this all about? You have to understand, in ancient times, a woman's most attractive physical attribute was known to be her skin and her complexion. And that's one of the reasons in the Middle East why they wore veils over their head, over their face, why they wore long robes. They did not want their skin to become scorched. So this woman is actually saying, hey, I'm embarrassed. I know that I don't look externally as beautiful as some other women. And then she explains why. Why? because I actually had to be out tending the sheep. That was a servant's job for many. And so she was like, I, I haven't been pampered. I haven't been treated like royalty. This reminds me of the story of Cinderella. Okay, anyone seen that recent movie on Cinderella that came out? I have a confession, I saw it twice. Now don't judge me, because I talked about a football movie last week. Okay, so don't take my man card. But here's the thing. Why do we love the story of Cinderella? You, you know, no one says, well, wow, weren't, weren't those stepsisters so beautiful? And the funny thing is, they'll often cast in a Cinderella movie, they'll cast the stepsisters as beautiful and they'll have these ornate dresses and their hair is perfectly manicured and their complexion's very fair. And then Cinderella comes in with her hair disheveled, soot on her face, a pauper's clothing, but we're captivated by her, why? Because what shines from the internal heart comes out of the external features. Let me just say that again. The internal qualities that someone possesses shines out from within them. And that is what we are drawn to in life. And that is why we're always taken by Cinderella, even when she looks like a mess, is because we see, wow, she is a woman who lays down her life for others. She is committed to loyalty. She's a friend. She takes care of little mice. How sweet is that? She is a, a, a woman of hope and of, that she's trustworthy. And this is what this woman is. That's what she is. And she captures in this book the heart of a king. He could have had anyone, but he's captivated by this woman because of the lifestyle she lives, one of servant-heartedness. I want to tell you, men, if you marry a servant, you're going to be blessed the rest of your life. If you marry a prima donna, get ready for a life of hard work and not living up to someone's expectations. So let me just tell you, the second place that I saw Steph and I started going, who is this woman? Is we were going on a mission trip. We were on a drive through the night and she held a kid in her lap the whole night long. 
And while other girls had their soft feather pillows and were sawing logs all, all up, all nice and cozy, this woman was laying down her life holding a child. And I thought, man, what kind of woman is that who lays down her life for someone else? You want a servant to be attracted to. He goes on to say this, I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Ooh, how romantic. He, he's not saying, girl, you got some big teeth. And man, when you talk, you sound like you're neighing. You know, he, that's not what he's saying. The, the Pharaoh's horse, a horse was the most treasured possession of a man in antiquity. And Pharaoh could choose any horse in the whole kingdom. And he would display them out in front. And it was to inspire awe of Pharaoh's procession. Can I just tell you that men, we, we want someone who inspires all. Uh, let me just say it this way. You can say anything about me. In fact, us men love it when we show up at a party and people are like, you dirty dog, you low down, good for nothing. How did you get a girl like that that's so beautiful? We love that, right? Girls, you would hate that if some girl came up to you and went like, you dog, you ugly girl, how'd you get that nice looking man? You'd be like, pap, you shut up, I'm pretty, right? But we, why? Because the woman is the glory of a man. And so ladies, let me just say this to you. Although you don't have to be an airbrush model and we know that all these things are fake about them, what we do appreciate is when you present yourself in a lovely way. And that's what he goes on to say. He says, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. It's not sexiness that we're looking for, it's loveliness that we're looking for. He goes on to say, your neck with strings of jewels. And then guess what? He stops there. Are you following me? They're not married, so he doesn't just keep going down and down and down. He's not checking out her body. Let me just tell you, until you're married, you get this much. It stops there. And, and believe you me, you read the rest of this book, he's gonna make you uncomfortable with all the parts of her body he talks about. But he's saying, until we're married, until there's a ring on that finger, we're stopping there. And so let me tell you, ladies, righteous attraction. We, we want to see your character. We want to see your heart. We want to see that servantness. And then we want to see the loveliness in your countenance and your face. Right, and we wanna be drawn to that. And please don't try to draw us by your figure and your body. Oh yeah, you might get someone's attention and you might get a man for a night. But that's not the kind of man you wanna stay with. Steph, you wanna say some more about the modesty? Yeah, so I think all of us women, we so want to be beautiful to someone, to be beautiful to a man and be treasured by him. I mean, it feels so great to be pursued by someone that you want to be pursued by. Um, but in that journey, we don't want to forget modesty. We don't want to throw modesty out the window. And if you're trying to hook a man by your body, you're going to feel like you need to reveal more and more parts of your body as you guys grow and go in your relationship in order to keep him and inevitably, you will fall into sexual sin if you've started it by trying to hook him with your body. And that is not the kind of dating relationships we want. I want to look at Colossians 3, where it talks about our new self, which is being renewed in understanding in the image of its 
creator. When we get saved, we get a new self, and it, it, it gets renewed in the image of our creator. And then in verse 12, it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I think sometimes in our worldly mindsets, we can think that kind of a clothing is a clothing of weakness, but it is the very opposite. It is a clothing of great strength, and it's talking about an inner clothing of our inner man. In Psalm 139.13, it says, for you created my inmost being. God created your inmost being, and we are exhorted on what to clothe that inmost being with. In Proverbs 31, it talks about what a godly woman is like. And in verse 25, we get a little window into what she clothes her inner man with. And it says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. Well, then we also get a window into what she clothes herself with in the natural as well. So we talk about the, the inner man being Um, clothed with modesty, but now we're talking about the outer man, and it says in verse 22 that she is clothed with fine linen and purple. Well, that fine linen speaks of righteousness, and that purple speaks of royalty. You see, this woman came to her closet in the morning with a Colossians 3 mindset that says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. She wasn't coming to her closet trying to find value from what she was going to wear that day and who would make note of it, but she already had value because she knew that she was holy and dearly loved. She knew that she was put part of a royal family and wanted to represent that royal family well. She cared about her clothing and knew that she was already valued, so she wasn't trying to find value in her clothing. Sometimes we try to expose parts of our body to try to find value in hopes that maybe some guy will take note of us if they see a little part of our body. And I want to say, I have three sons, and I don't want them to see your body. It is my job to help protect their eyes in the journey of growing up until one day they find the person they are to marry, and then once they are married, they are free. But until that day, they don't need to see your body. You know, also, there's in in California, and I'm assuming in other states, there are these short skirts that are out there that just are really short, and they almost expose some places that should not be exposed until marriage. And so sometimes I just want to walk around and pull those shirts down. And I long for you to come to your closet with the mindset that this Proverbs 31 woman came with. You're so valued. You're so dearly loved by the king of kings. Women, we want to represent the royal family that we're a part of as we go to our closets in the morning. Come on, let's keep going. That's good stuff, Stephanie. You should be a preacher.
says this, my beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. And don't get too caught up that the Bible just said breasts right there because where she's talking about is her heart. And she is saying that my beloved, she's talking about the man now, is to me like a pendant that I keep right on my heart. Now, what is myrrh all about? Myrrh is an embalming ointment for those who have died. Myrrh in the Bible symbolizes death. And what she is saying is this, this is a guy who's died to himself. This is a guy who is not selfish. Women, you should be looking for a man who is not selfish. He has relinquished his rights to the king of kings. He is kingdom focused and he wants to lay down his life and serve you. Let me just tell you women, if it's all about him in the beginning, if you're always having to just watch sports center with him, go to all the games he wants, always go to the restaurants he wants, you're getting a great picture of what the rest of your life is going to be like. So you want to marry someone who's first a servant of the King of Kings and second who wants to serve you. And you can get a good picture of that, of that by how he treats his mother. So just check that out as well. See how he treats the other ladies that are around. Then it goes on to say this. He is like, to me, a cluster of henna blossoms. What was henna? Henna in ancient days, and it still is, was a cause medic uh, ointment that was used for beautification. Here's something very important. A man should make you more beautiful, ladies. Don't date someone who doesn't make you feel treasured, who doesn't make you feel beautiful, who doesn't treat you like a princess. I see girls all the time putting up with a guy who makes them feel like trash. This is not your calling. She's saying, he's like Hannah. He makes me more beautiful. This is how I see Steph. I see her like a potted plant that God has given to me. And so it's my goal to get her into the perfect light, to pour water on her, to develop her, to groom her, not to take a chainsaw and cut into her. But we see that in relationships. Don't date someone who puts other people down, women. And then it goes on to say, in the vineyards of Engedi, now you just got to understand that next to the Dead Sea, a place of death where nothing, a place of death where nothing could live, were these two springs, and one of them was Engedi, and it was known for its pure, refreshing waters. Ladies, so many times we can be looking, you can be looking for a man who just has these external qualities. I want to tell you, you need to date someone with the internal quality of being refreshing. Are you dating someone that is going to refresh you, who is a person who brings life into the room they walk in? Man, if you date Donnie Downer, that's how you're gonna live your life in the depth of despair. But you need to start dating someone who brings refreshment wherever they are. So ask yourself, who actually refreshes me? They might not be the most handsome looking person ever, but if they bring you refreshment, that's what you're gonna live with the rest of your lives. So let's keep going on with what, what she says after that. He says, actually, behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you're beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. Now, what's he saying here? He's not saying, hey, you got a couple birds in your eyes. He's saying this. A dove is known for mating for life. And this is one of the most important qualities to look for in someone you'll date, both for men and for women. Is the person loyal? Is the person faithful? Here's some questions to ask, okay? How long lasting has been their longest friendship? Okay, 
Like, get to know their friends. And do they, are their friends as well, this is my friend of the week, or this is someone I've been friends with for years. Hey, are they loyal to their church? Yeah, I am committed to the body of Christ. Or they just hop around trying to get what they want. How about their family? How do they talk about their family? All of our families have problems. Every family is dysfunctional, but are they loyal to their family? How about their job? Do they just hop from job to job? Or are they faithful and loyal? This is one of the main qualities we're looking for because if they're faithful to other people, guess what? They'll be faithful to you. And if they're not loyal in life, you've got something coming to you and it's not something that you want. It goes on to say this. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved. Truly delightful. Ladies, you want someone who's gonna call out your beauty. You want someone that's gonna call out and encourage you. Men, you want a lady that builds you up. You want a, a, a woman who's gonna make you feel great. I remember one of the reasons I was most drawn to Steph is I remember talking to her one time and she was like, you could do that. Yeah, I, I totally think you could do that. I, in fact, I think you could do anything. Man, my feet started lifting off the floor. That's the kind of person you're looking for. Look for someone encouraging, because if you find someone encouraging, encouragement is power to accomplish the purpose and will of God in your life. Anything else you want to say before I start to wrap this thing up? Amen. Oh, that is good stuff. <laughs> Goes on to say this in the end of the chapter. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. He's not talking about they went to Pottery Barn and picked out a nice crib. This is prophetic language speaking of what your relationship will be like if you build it on healthy, whole, godly attraction versus what the world says. I, I wanna tell you, you watch the movies about worldly attraction and it's unstable, right? It's jealous. It's nerve-wracking, it's heart-wrenching, it's heart-breaking. But you build a relationship on healthy attraction and what do you get? It says our couch is green. What does that mean? The place where we sit and interact is always growing. Green is a symbol of life. When you build your relationship on healthy attraction, you have life there. It's not stealing. So often relationships are, are who can take the most out of each other, and then once it's all spin up, peace, and I'm on. I'm, I'm walking on. Instead, it's life-giving. It's developing. And most of all, it develops your relationship with God. Do you know that we can actually date someone? We can actually have dating relationships that make us closer to Jesus? It develops us. It makes us more than we ever dreamed possible. Secondly, it says this, the beams of our house are cedar. Years ago, Stephanie and I had the opportunity to be in the, the country of Lebanon and see the famous cedars of Lebanon, which are talked about throughout the Bible. And they are the most majestic trees. They're centuries old. They're massive and they've been enduring. They've gone through fires. They've gone through storms. They've gone through wars and yet they're still there. And the scripture is saying, if we will build our relationships off healthy attraction, if you know the reason you found someone and fell in love with them is right, the beams of your house, the structure of your relationship will be unshakable. It will be unshakable. 
Although storms may come, although wars may rage, although fires may burn, those pillars are staying. Why? Because you've anchored them on the foundation of God's word. And lastly, it says this, our rafters are pine. What's a rafter? A rafter is something that holds up a roof, and a roof is something that covers you. I want to tell you, so often, worldly relationships bring instability. They make people feel more insecure than secure. But a godly relationship is actually a covering over this. I like to say this about Steph. She is my rock. Now, I know that Jesus is my rock. Jesus is the strong tower. He is my rock. But on earth, Stephanie is my rock. She is the most stabilizing factor in my whole life. And when you build your life and you build your relationships on godly qualities, you end up with a place of refuge over you no matter what life brings your way, and that is God's desire for every one of us. Next week, we're gonna be unpacking actually how to date. This week was more the art of attraction and who to date. Next week is how to date, and we're gonna unpack a healthy timeline of how to develop a relationship, and so it's safe for your heart, and it actually grows you into the kind of person you wanna be, amen? You guys taking this? Why don't we stand up? We've done this in the last two services. Seemed to go well. It's something that I haven't seen done in a church before, but why not do it here? We want to pray for those today that say, hey, I'm ready for a relationship. I'm not in one now, but I would love to have a godly relationship. So if you just come up on stage and join me right now. Just kidding. <laughs> We're going to do this. Would you just close your eyes with me right now? And I'm just going to pray for you, and then Steph is going to pray for you. If you just open your hands to the Lord right now, church.